Thank you for tuning in to The Way Podcast, a work of Scattered Abroad which is overseen by the East Hill Church of Christ in Pulaski, Tennessee. You can find our website at scatteredabroad.org. In this podcast, we seek to showcase the way that God wants us to live by looking at what is written in His Word. The Bible says God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. This is That Way. Here is your host, Houston Welch. Welcome back to The Way Podcast. I'm your host, Houston Welch. And today, we are transitioning from our uh, discussion or study of commandments from the Old Testament as we view the Old Testament in light of the New Testament, um, viewing the uh, viewing New Testament Christianity from an Old Testament perspective, uh, we decided that it was one of the necessary things to do is looking at examples because whenever you view them from the Old Testament, examples that are uh, reiterated or um, that are binding under the New Testament as well as the Old Testament, looking at them from the Old Testament shed a little bit of more a little bit more light into um, what all those commandments entail. So what we're going to be doing today is looking at examples, the examples that we that we read about in the Old Testament um, that uh, we have a few that we're going to be looking at over the next uh, four weeks as um, they are explicitly stated that they are examples for us, things that happened to the children of Israel or a particular person as an example of something or a nation being an example such as Sodom and Gomorrah being an example of, of wickedness. Uh, so before we go head into those weeks, I want us to look at um, sort of an introductory um, a view of examples. So the first thing that we should ask is what are examples? What is an example? What is the definition of an example? And hopefully the answer, the clear answer would be obvious um, to many of us. But when it comes to learning from examples and moving forward with our discussion, uh, what we should learn from them uh, what exact when exactly exact when exactly is an example binding etc. It's important to define what an example is from a theological perspective. So I would describe or define an example as a model or pattern of behavior that one should either follow or avoid. So looking at that definition, I base it on the Greek word for example, the, what we have um, uh, translated into example in the New Testament. Come, most of the time it comes from the word uh, tupos, which is a type. Uh, the Greeks use that word as, as basically like a, a model or, or a cast. Um, being that you have, let's take, let's say you take a bowl for example, and then you fill it with with gelatin, then that jello is molded to the bowl. So that's sort of exactly what the word implies is that it is a type or a model or a pattern that, like stated before, we should either follow 
or avoid, which implies that there's two different types of examples. There are positive examples and there are negative examples, which in the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at two positive examples, two examples, uh, two patterns of behavior, which we should follow. And then we're also going to notice two examples from the Old Testament, negative examples, uh, patterns of behavior that we should not follow, that, that should be avoided. Take uh, what Paul told Timothy, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 12, uh, let no man despise your youth, but you be an example to the believers. So let no man despise your youth. Give no man any reason or any cause to, to despise your youth, but instead of that, you be an example in word, in conversation, etc. So Paul was telling Timothy, you be a positive example. Don't be a negative example. Don't give anybody a reason to despise uh, the example that you're giving, but rather be a positive example. Be a good pattern for those, uh, for, for the believers in word, conversation, etc. When thinking about um, good examples, bad examples, positive examples, negative examples, etc., think about uh, in terms of a of a good example. Think about a young man or woman, a young young boy or girl in school. They are they're making uh, excellent grades. They're keeping up with all of their assignments. They're showing good behavior, good moral character. They are being an example, as a teacher would say, an example for the rest of the class. They're the example of a good student or, quite frankly, a good child, a good young man or woman. But also, on the other side, let's say you have a young uh, man or woman, young boy or girl, who is acting up in class. Uh, they 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 like to be the class clown and they're and they're making jokes, interrupting class, and they're falling behind in their assignments. They're not making good grades. Uh, the teacher may decide to punish said student to make that person an example still yet for the rest of the class. So in both clay, both cases, either the outstanding student or the misbehaving student, both of them were examples, one of good behavior, one of excellent behavior, and then the other one of behavior that should be avoided. Now, also something we should mention uh, that whenever defining an example, an example is always going to be an account of action. So, Take, for instance, any time we're reading throughout the um, Old Testament, they're all accounts of action. You take the very beginning, whenever you have Adam and Eve and, and their, uh, the, the, the fall of man, that initial sin, that is an account of action. It's an account of their sin, their sin being an action. It is something which we should avoid, yes. Then you have the account of, of Cain and Abel. There you have two accounts of action. You have uh, Abel's good account, the, the good thing that he did in, in offering an acceptable sacrifice to God, 
and then you have a a bad account of action uh, of Cain whenever he offered um, of the fruit of the field that was not acceptable. God did not permit that. He did not command that that should be given or permit that that should be given as a sacrifice. And then we can continue on throughout all of the, the accounts in the Old Testament, which we're going to mention here in a moment. Not every single one of those accounts, but we're going to discuss um, the account uh, having those stories recorded um, in particular. So an example is always an account of action, but not every account of action is an example. Take, for instance, you have a, a parent or a man or woman um, taking a particular job. The taking of that job is not an example in and of itself. However, so that account of action is not an example of itself, but how they deal with taking said job. Let's say they have a good response or a bad response, a stronger work ethic or a poor work ethic. That is a good or bad example coming from that account of action. So how they're dealing with said action uh, can be an example. So we want to focus on Old Testament examples, Old Testament accounts of action that are recorded as examples for us today. Examples are the sole reason that the stories of Hebrew history are passed down. Dating back all the way to Moses' time, all the way even far ba farther back to, to Abraham's time and Isaac's and Jacob's, etc. This is how, of course, the, the accounts in Genesis 1 uh, all the way through Abraham's time, they are recorded by inspiration. But inspiration also plays uh, alongside one's own knowledge. So whenever Moses was writing down Genesis in the first several chapters of Genesis, he was also, yes, he was being led or moved by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was moving him to write uh, the way that he was, the things that he was saying, but it was also because the Holy Spirit was also acting upon Moses' prior knowledge. He wasn't, there wasn't anything revelatory in Genesis chapter 1 other than confirmation. So all of these events that were being passed down, all of these accounts of action that were being passed down, they were being passed down for one reason. For examples, Romans 15 and verse 4 says, Whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, uh, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. So notice Paul says, Whatsoever, everything that was written aforetime, that was written before, so the entirety of of the Old Testament from Genesis chapter 1 all the way through Malachi, through the end of Malachi, was written for our learning. In what ways were all these stories, like the ones that we just mentioned, the stories of Adam and Eve, 
And these things did indeed happen. Whenever I say stories, I'm not meaning that there's some type of mythological uh, makeup, but rather that they are um, actual accounts, stories that are passed down just as I hear stories of, of how my grandfather grew up exactly the same way. And all of these stories that we have recorded in the Old Testament, they were written for our learning. In what ways can these stories be written for our learning? Take again what Paul told the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 11. Whenever he was talking to the Corinthians about the sins of the nation of Israel and what led them to be wandering in the wilderness and all the various plagues that came about them, and he told them, now all these things happened to them for examples. And they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world is come. So all of these things that were written before time and all of these accounts of action that we have, they are examples for us. Whether they be positive examples or negative examples, Take also what Paul told Timothy in first, uh, first Timothy, Second Timothy chapter three verses sixteen and seventeen. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. So all of the the Scriptures of the Old Testament, every bit of it, just like we mentioned according to Romans fourteen four fifteen four, all of it is profitable for doctrine, for learning. So there again. These stories have some learning capacity to them. In what ways do we learn from these stories? Well, we learn by example. And it's extremely important to learn by example, to learn from the examples that we have given to us. Now, I want to I say one thing, that it is, it's natural for us to learn by example. Take children. For instance, whenever children grow up, yes, they can be educated. You can sit them down and have them work out exercises, teach them ABCs, etc. But they learn their interactions with, with other human beings through either their parents or, well, quite frankly, other human beings. They learn how to, to socialize. They learn how to interact in society by example. And you notice that so well whenever you have, uh, or at least I myself am noticing it with, with my oldest daughter uh, because she's starting to get to that point, or she has been at that point for a few months now, where she she's watching either myself or her mother or even from the the shows that we that we show her, she's learning how to interact. It's not like she's being sat down and and explicitly taught uh, explicitly taught. Well, when this happens, then this is how you should then this is how you should react. But rather, she's learning by those examples. She's seeing it, or as in case with the Bible, we read about it. And in return, we either have that same response or we know, no, that is not okay for me to do. That's not the proper response, and I need to avoid doing that. So talking about negative and positive examples, I have to say that it's easy to pick up on a negative example. 
And I believe the reason for that is because negative examples, typically whenever you do something bad, you do it because you think you're going to get something good out of it. Whether you're going, it's something that will make you feel good or, or whatever it might be. But then the repercussions, the consequences, they always seem to come far later or if not far later, just shortly after. And so those are generally easier to, to pick up on and easier to follow in said footsteps of somebody who is leaving a negative example because the rewards seem immediate and the rewards seem simpler. A positive example is, is harder to pick up on because the rewards and the repercussions of a positive example of, of doing good seem to come later. They're not as immediate as, as, as the fleeting rewards of a wicked lifestyle. Take, for example, somebody who's disciplined. A disciplined lifestyle. It is very hard to ever notice the, the fruits of living a disciplined life. But whenever you step back and you look at somebody's life who is uh, the life of somebody who is extraordinarily disciplined and you can see all of the fruits that are tailored throughout it because it's extraordinarily rewarding. It just doesn't seem like it at the time because they're making certain sacrifices. And so for us... We don't want to we don't want to follow those examples unless we can see that there is in fact a reward. Well, I think one of the best examples uh, that we have of the Old Testament is Israel itself in regards to positive and negative examples. We have in Deuteronomy 28, God says to them through Moses, "If you heed the things that I say." If you heed my word, if you obey the voice of the Lord, you will be blessed, you will prosper. And God gives a short few blessings there because not much is needed to give. You obey God, you will be blessed, both in this life and the life to come. But then he goes on in the same chapter to say that if you do not hearken to the voice of the Lord, if you disobey God, then you will be cursed, and he lists the cursings in, in much more depth than he does the blessings, reminding them that the negative is so much worse than the positive. That if you think that the rewards, the fleeting rewards of following a negative example will get you anywhere, He's reminding us that the repercussions is much, much worse. And then whenever you look at the children of Israel and you look at the, the history of the nation and how they have this, this constant back and forth with God where they obey Him for a short time and then the cursings come once they start to disobey Him. 
they prosper for a little while, and then whenever the cursings come, it's the downfall of the nation. And then they might come back up for a little bit whenever they choose to obey God and listen to Him. And then it's right back down again until finally God does away with them. Now, one of the final things that we should that we should discuss uh, is and what is one of the more important aspects of this discussion is when is an Old Testament example binding? Take for instance again, whenever we look at such things as keeping the Sabbath, is that binding today? Whenever we look at at the children of Israel offering certain sacrifices, are Christians required to offer sacrifices today? And then there's one account that comes to my mind in Second Samuel chapter six, whenever David is is bringing the Ark of God uh, back, and it says that he is he's he's dancing before the Lord with all his might. Says that he was girded with a linen ephod, and then we later, um, whenever Micah, uh, David's first wife, is is speaking with David after he's returned to, to his household, and she comes out, and she's somewhat mocking him by saying, how glorious was the king of Israel today, who uncovered himself today in the eyes of the handmaids of his servants, as one of the vain fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. Michael was giving us a little bit more insight on how exactly David was dancing before the Lord. It says that he uncovered himself before the handmaids. Michael was, of course, uh, somewhat jealous, but rightfully so. So that is that an example that we should keep today? Is that, a, is that example binding for us, as well as the me- examples mentioned before of, of sacrifices and of, of keeping of the Sabbath? And there's many, many more. Those, of course, are, those uh, last two mentioned, of course, are commandments that were explicitly given to the Israelites, but also with this one of David. Is that an example that we should keep today? Well, I think that one of the ways that we can tell whether or not it's an example that we should follow today is what was the response? What was the what were the repercussions of it? Did it have a good response by um, the individuals around? Did it did God approve of this account of action? You can learn whether that be so because every account of action. Every story of the Old Testament always has the repercussions and the rewards of the individuals or groups. So that's one way to tell. Now, there is a brother in Christ who has listed seven, as he says, seven laws on how to determine whether or not said example is in fact binding today. And I believe all of these hold true um, that there, if if you are studying a particular example, a particular count account of action, and they line up with each of these, with every one of these, then that example is of course binding today. 
The first one that he mentions is background command. If this particular example has a commandment backing it up, well then clearly, rightfully so, this is a um, a command or an example which is binding today. And he lists the uh, the verse in First Corinthians eleven, also referencing what Jesus said here. Uh, take th- this is the cup of the new covenant. Uh, in my blood, this do as often as you drink in remembrance of me. So there's a commandment of examples that we have in the Old Testament. And there are many, or excuse me, not in the Old Testament, um, of the examples that we have of the Lord's church keeping the Lord's Supper. So if there is a command backing the example up, then it's binding. But not that alone. It has to have more because what if an example doesn't have a commandment backing it up? Apostolic approval is the second law that he has. Do the apostles approve? The apostles do have the authority. They are um, right there along with the foundation, Jesus himself being the chief cornerstone, but the twelve apostles also being the foundation of, of the church itself. So if the apostles approve, if anything of the of the apostles sayings or of the apostles writings contradict said example, then it is not binding. We throw it out the window. But if they approve of the example, we see them keeping the example as well, then we can conclude that it is binding. But it has to have more the law of unity, the third law that he lists, or I would say uh, the law of harmony, if, it, if this example contradicts Scripture. So, take, for example, what we mentioned before with the keeping of the Sabbath and the sacrificing of lambs and bulls and goats, etc. The law was nailed to the cross, All of those things, those sacrifices, cannot wash away our sins. They cannot purge our sins. They can't cleanse us. So it contradicts. It's not harmonious. Uh, That example of the Old Testament is not harmonious with that of the New Testament. It's not harmonizing or in unison with the rest of Scripture. Therefore, it cannot be binding. So it has to abide as well by the law of unity Also, the law of universal application. It has to be applicable for all peoples of all time. Jesus, in Matthew 28, uh, verses 18 and following, he told the apostles, uh, Go and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then he concluded by saying, Lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. So he said, Teach all nations, and he said he was going to be with them to the end of the world. So whatever example we have has to be applicable to all people throughout all the world, throughout all the time, in the New Testament age, of course. So if it was binding for those of the first century, absolutely binding, then it would be binding for us today. The fifth law Uh, would be that of essentiality. Uh, 
And he lists three um, instances here. Uh, one, baptism. Baptism is absolutely essential. But how exactly we're baptized, so long as we're immersed, doesn't matter. Whether we're baptized in a lake, whether we're baptized in a river, whether we're baptized in, in a creek, or whether we're baptized in a pool or baptistry, so long as we're being immersed in water. So we have no... No clear um, command as to how, so long as we are baptized. The same goes for worship. It doesn't matter. Uh, we don't have any particular place where we have to worship. We could worship under a tree, um, in a in a rented building, a building uh, that the church owns, or or a private home. We don't have a command as to whether exactly we are supposed to worship. Also, he, he lists another example of, of communion. As far as the, the, the cup goes or the plates that it's served on, or frankly, if it's even served on plates, we don't have a direct... Um, uh, command exactly as to how that's to play out except that the the bread is broken eat partaken of first and then we that being unleavened bread and we partake of the fruit of the vine the sixth being the law of competency uh, there must be scripture which is competent to support so it has to have not only would one of those be uh, one of those ways or laws being a scriptural uh, or excuse me a commandment uh, backing it up, but also that there is sufficient context for the example to be binding in and of itself. And the seventh and last being the law of limited application. This one also uh, goes in part with one aforementioned. Uh, take for example the Sabbath day as well as um, as well as sacrificing of lambs bulls goats etc one of the more uh, troublesome parts of this whole um, when is it, when is an example binding if God commanded somebody to do something Said thing isn't necessarily going to be the example to follow. We could look at Abraham. He was commanded by God to sacrifice Isaac, his firstborn. No Christian is commanded today to sacrifice their child. God would not command anybody today to do such thing. But rather it's how. Also Noah with the ark. God commanded Noah specifically to build an ark, and he told him exactly how to build it. That's not our example. We don't have to build an ark today. The example for us, or the examples that's left, what we should learn from, is what the inspired author recorded, and thus did Noah according to all that the Lord God commanded him. That's our example. If you have stayed tuned in, we do appreciate you. Uh, 
uh, go check out uh, one of our sistering podcasts, whether it be the Far Better podcast, whether it be uh, the Everyday Christian podcast, or even the Weathering the Storm podcast, which airs alongside uh, this one every Thursday. Um, go, uh, if you think that this video would be a good study for somebody, or do you think it would help somebody in some way, uh, please share it with them. Go give us a like and share on Facebook. Um, if you want to reach out to us in any way, the links are down in the description below. We do appreciate you. We love you and have a good day.